0: Welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. The Healthcare Sterile Processing Association, HSPA, invites you to log on, listen, and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Welcome to the Process This podcast. This is episode number 74. Thanks for joining me. I hope that you are doing well today. So today on the show, we have the segment, What's on My Mind, followed by some information about emergency preparedness. How prepared are you for an emergency? But before we get into those, there is a call for presentations from HSPA. So HSBA is now accepting nominations for individuals to serve on the Board of Directors. Members of the Board of Directors play an integral role in the direction and vision of the association. If you know someone who would be a great contributor to the Board, or if you yourself are interested in serving, please submit a nomination by November 30th, 2022. Now, the following positions are to be filled. That is first uh, president-elect. Now the president-elect will serve consecutive one-year terms as president-elect, president and past president. And then there are also three director positions which will serve a two-year term. So individuals who accept the nomination will be asked to submit information outlining their professional experience and demonstrated activities with the association. All nominations and any information collected as part of the nominating process are strictly confidential. Upon careful review of the submitted materials, the HSPA Nominating Committee will select the nominees who will be added to the official ballot. Now, the election will take place in the spring of 2023. Now, qualifications to serve. Are you qualified? let's see. Each elected member of the Board of Directors shall be subject to the following minimum qualifications while serving on the Board of Directors. Membership in the association. Each member of the Board of Directors must be an active member in the association in good standing for at least one year and must maintain that standing throughout their term. Employment requirements. Each member of the Board of Directors must be employed by a health care facility. Certification requirements. Each member of the Board of Directors must hold and maintain the CRCST certification throughout their term in office. And then for the President-Elect, for the office of President-Elect, a candidate must have served on the board of directors. So in addition to the minimum qualifications just listed, the nominating committee will also consider the following skills and attributes when selecting candidates demonstrated understanding of the association and willingness to support the mission and value of the association activities involvement with the association and or other contributions made to the association association chapter involvement education including certifications held demonstrated sterile processing experience special skills knowledge or particularly notable accomplishments. So, if you are interested in serving the association, being part of the leadership, being on the board of directors, then submit your nominations online. Again, you need to submit it by November 30th, 2022 for the 2023 uh, board of directors. And you can do that at the myhsp.org website and now it's time for what's on my mind So I'm talking about emergency preparedness on this segment. And that's because of the article that we're going to look at after this segment, which is titled appropriately, Emergency Preparedness. So I recently watched a series, I, th- I think it's on Apple TV or Roku, I, I, you know, I really can't remember, you know, they have all these streaming services. I can't remember who belongs to what or what shows go with what service, but I watched this series and I'm sure you can Google it. It's called Five Days at Memorial. Now, if you haven't heard of this show, this show basically shows the impact of Hurricane Katrina and its impact on the hospital, specifically Memorial in New Orleans uh, during 2005. And that's when the hurricane hit. Now, I've only watched the first five episodes. Uh, That was all that was available at the time. And and I believe that there's three or so more episodes. I think they just came out recently. Uh, But this uh, chronological series kind of shows the tragic events that transpired at Memorial Hospital in the aftermath of Katrina. Now, I don't want to ruin it for you, but the show is about the stranded hospital staff and patients and what they went through while being isolated from pretty much everything and everyone. Now this show isn't for everyone. Frankly, it's, it's heartbreaking, right? It's not, or at least the first five episodes are not uplifting. It's not the feel good series of the year. Okay. In fact, I, I'm not going to lie. I I even you know I cried for these folks because of this tragic event. It was pretty moving for me and the situation they had to endure. So be warned. You know this is this is not a uh, you're not going to walk away skipping and dancing after this one. Uh, the point is though that I want to talk about how prepared they were for this disaster yeah, and really how prepared are you? for disaster you know if you were in this situation or if you're in other situations now here is your opportunity i don't want to give away any of the story you know if you want to go watch this series and i suggest you do i think it's pretty good so you can pause the podcast now go watch it come back later after you watch the show listen to the podcast or you know keep listening Uh, Honestly, I don't think that I'm going to spoil anything. I might incidentally, but I I really don't think I am. I don't think I'm going to say anything that's going to uh, give away the show that you can't already find online. So here's your opportunity right now. Okay, so again, while watching this show, I, I couldn't help think, and by the way, there's nothing in this show about sterile processing, so don't get too excited, but I... I couldn't help think about how prepared we, and I'm going to use the royal we, how prepared are we for a disaster should it come our way? In the show, you know, they had a hurricane, and this Hurricane Katrina, it broke through some of the levees, you know, the levees keep back the the waters from entering the city. Well, it broke these levees and essentially flooded New Orleans. Not only in Orleans, but, you know, the surrounding areas and in particular the hospital. And from what I can gather, uh, the breaking of the levees was unexpected, right? It's not something they expected to happen. Seems like, uh, you know, in the show that they had experienced hurricanes before in the past, you know, and didn't have any issues, right? Seems like they were kind of used to this sort of thing, right? Just like People in California are kind of used to earthquakes, right? It's when the big one comes that everybody gets real... You know, everything really happens. But, you know, the smaller earthquakes they're used to. They, they have them uh, more frequently than the larger earthquakes. But here, in this situation, this time something was different uh, because the levees broke and everything was flooded. You now, in the show, after the hurricane things started to really deteriorate because there was no way to get patients out. only way out from the hospital was if you had a boat to navigate the flooded areas. Now the helicopter pad, they have a helicopter pad, but it was incredibly difficult to transport patients who were anything but ambulatory, right? If you couldn't walk, you know, it was an incredibly difficult task to get people up to the helicopter pad. And honestly, and I think they refer to this in the show, it doesn't look like it has been used in 50 years, right? (laughs) Throughout the show, I honestly thought it was gonna come crashing down and just kill everybody anyway. As the days dragged on, and I said days, because this happened for several days, the days after were the worst, right? You'd think during the hurricane, it was pretty bad, but the days following got even worse because eventually the generator gave out, you know, they, they essentially had no electricity or utilities in the city, right? So they were running, you know, your hospital runs on your backup generator, Well, eventually it's going to give out, right? And I believe in the story it gave out because it was flooded. Honestly, the generator wouldn't have lasted much longer anyway after it had failed. Well, you also ran into problems such as food, water, medication, supplies, equipment, equipment that ran on batteries. Everything they had was slowly fading or running out as the days went on. Communication was extremely difficult. Cell phones didn't really work, as you can imagine. You know, it was days after the hurricane before even some of the outside folks even knew that there were patients stranded at the hospital, right? So, pretty much seemed like everything that could go wrong, did go wrong. It was essentially the perfect storm, if you will, for the disaster. Now, some of the issues I don't really think could have been avoided. I don't think that they could have really prepared for some of the things that they encountered. But I, I do think that some of the issues they faced could have had better outcomes had they been prepared. Now, this is not a criticism for them. I think all of us lack in the areas of uh, dis- disaster preparedness. I think it's a fact. I live in Texas now, uh, at Tornado Alley, but when I when I used to work here, you know, I don't ever recall having any kind of really drills within the hospital. You know, as a kid, when you're in elementary and you have a tornado drill, you hide under your desk, which is kind of silly. Um, but I don't re- really recall a whole lot of drills like a tornado drill, like you would expect in Texas, right, Um, in our hospitals, except for, you know, there was information that said, stay away from windows, move inwards toward the center of a building. But never really any evacuation drills or scenarios set up that would be what happened if. I would say, but the drills that they did have didn't really involve sterile processing. So one takeaway from this series is that it took everyone in the hospital, meaning it didn't matter your role, didn't matter your job. It didn't matter if you were uh, there because of a broken arm. It took everybody there to help out with moving and caring for patients. So after watching this series, kind of my thoughts for you today is, what things can you do to be prepared for a disaster. You know, do you have all the policies in place that address different scenarios? Are you looking at different scenarios? Maybe things that you haven't thought about. You know, it's it's really apparent in this show that you know they understood what was going to happen during a hurricane, but they didn't understand what would happen if the levees broke. So what scenarios are you looking at? What scenarios are you preparing for? Do you practice? Do you have drills? Do you run through the different scenarios? If you recall, um, back in episode 10, Joe Wood talks about the Boston Marathon disaster and how she dealt with some of the aftermath of that. So go back and look at your practices. Look at your policies and procedures what do you do or what kind of scenarios are you prepared for or what can you be prepared for so something to think about again just go back and look for ways that you can be better prepared that's all i have for this segment of what's on my mind Okay, to continue with our emergency preparedness podcast here, we're looking at an article that was published in the November-December Process Publication titled Emergency Preparedness, Are You Ready for the Unexpected? So the article reads, Emergency preparedness and the importance of a well-rehearsed, coordinated response to an unexpected incident have always been important to the health and security of our communities. However, the pandemic and various other emergencies healthcare organizations have faced in recent years underscored the reality that not all organizations are as prepared as they should be. A survey from the American College of Emergency Physicians revealed that 93% of physicians surveyed do not consider their emergency departments entirely prepared for the influx of patients that follows a disaster or mass casualty incident. Less than half 94% of those surveyed feel their emergency departments were somewhat prepared even more alarming is that 90% of the survey respondents believe they do not have access to critical medications, and nearly 40% say patients have been negatively affected. What is missing from the literature, however, is how prepared sterile processing departments are regarding emergencies and even day-to-day crisis that can crop up with little or no notice. It is not uncommon for sterile processing departments to face many challenges, including lack of trained staff to effectively handle their hectic work environment and customer requests, failing infrastructure, insufficient instrumentation inventory, and outdated or inadequate processing equipment, lack of knowledge and support from senior leaders, and the failure to include sterile processing professionals in key decisions. These common obstacles are further compounded by other emergencies or sterile processing specific incidences, especially when the healthcare facility or sterile processing department in particular are unprepared to manage those concerns effectively and efficiently. Just a few examples of emergency events that can further disrupt SPD operations and their ability to safely meet customer needs to keep procedures on track include equipment failure, supply shortages, utility disruptions that can be water, electrical, or gas, loss of airflow, plumbing issues that cause flooding, temperature and humidity breaches, and the list goes on and on. Widespread disaster planning is vital. Disasters of all types occur nearly every day in the US and some seem to be occurring with increased frequency. Disasters can be natural in nature or man-made and may include, sadly, active shooting events or mass shootings and bombings, biohazard-related incidences and exposure, civil disturbances, chemical, industrial, and hazardous material emergencies, cybersecurity breaches, infectious disease outbreaks, epidemics, pandemics, and endemics, fires, mass casualty accidents, natural disasters such as flooding, drought, earthquakes, hail, hurricanes, which we talked about earlier, tornadoes, volcanic eruptions, wildfires, and winter storms, smoke exposure, terrorism events, and widespread utility disruptions. Every disaster poses its own problems, and each may have multiple implications for the healthcare organization and sterile processing. One disaster may lead to another, causing an amplified effect, and unique challenges for the sterile processing leaders and their staff to manage and overcome. Sterile processing leaders must incorporate disaster planning into their employee training and orientation and have well-coordinated plans in place to manage emergency incidences quickly and appropriately. So this article comes with two uh, figures or tables that you can look at. And they give examples of general disasters that could affect sterile processing departments and their orientation and their possible outcomes that could jeopardize patient and employee safety. So I'm not going to read all of these. I'm going to pick out a few from the first figure. Active shooter, mass shootings and bombings, terrorist events this is the disaster and the possible implications. Reduced ability or Complete inability to reprocess instrumentation or equipment. Departmental shutdown. Possible staff evacuations. Mass casualty incidences. Reduced ability or again complete inability to reprocess those instruments. May have to shut down the department. Disaster, uh, natural disasters. Again, flood, hail, hurricanes, tornadoes, volcanic eruptions, wildfires, and storms. Reduced ability to process instrumentation or equipment, partial or complete departmental contamination, staff evacuations. So there are several different disasters listed here and the possible implications. And then we have figure two, which features some emergency situations that could directly affect operations and safety within sterile processing. Uh, One being flooding, uh, sprinkler or plumbing malfunction, Right. You have that, again, the reduced ability or uh, complete inability to reprocess instruments and equipment, staff evacuations, maybe partial or complete departmental contamination because of the flooding. So again, several things listed in figure two. That would be great if you went and looked at, if you picked up the uh, publication. But the article goes on to say, healthcare systems can quickly become overwhelmed and collapsed under the burden of emergency events, particularly if the hospital is affected alongside the community. Therefore, healthcare organizations must plan and routinely practice, I think that's the key, plan and practice for such incidences before they arise. U.S. governmental agencies, including the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, and the Federal Emergency Management Agency offer valuable emergency preparedness resources to help organizations manage incidences properly, effectively, and safely. The Hospital Incident Command System was established to help facilities coordinate their emergency management systems the system features a logical and organizational structure that helps define responsibilities and outline clear reporting channels to unify response between healthcare leaders and emergency responders. The Incident Command System should help point out healthcare organizations' vulnerabilities, help mitigate problems before they arise, and provide support and real-time updates during and immediately following a disaster. Now, the author has a note here that says, A recent COVID-19 surge at one healthcare organization where they provided consultation services had a significant impact on employees across a range of procedural areas, including surgery, endoscopy, and interventional radiology. As the Incident Command System team began determining the hospital's ability to perform elective, urgent, and emergent procedures in those departments, and as each member of the team reported their current and projected status, it became clear that sterile processing was not represented despite having a significant impact in all procedural areas. Not only was the Sterile Processing Department not a part of the Hospital Incident Command Team, but no one from the procedural areas could answer confidently if they would have the instruments and equipment needed to perform their procedures. Further, the Incident Command Center Team had not considered outside help company representatives, courier services, loan trays, and equipment which could also directly affect the organization's ability to manage procedures and keep departmental operations running as smoothly as possible during and after an emergency. The hospital incident command system should be activated before an organization begins feeling pain points that stress the system. Now there's also a side note here, and it says leaders... Factor in your military and National Guard employees. So more than 400,000 members serve in the National Guard in every state and territory in the United States. These individuals can serve both the community and country at large, depending on the need and location and severity of the emergency, to provide much needed assistance in locations where response systems are especially stressed or depleted. Healthcare executives and departmental leaders should be aware of all employees serving in the National Guard or those who could be called away for other military duties. If a governor in one state or territory activates guard duty and deploys individuals to emergency hotspots, this could remove skilled labor from the organization for a period of time. Having a solid plan in place is essential. To ensure departments and healthcare organizations can still run safely and efficiently and effectively in the absence of those who may be called away to serve. So next section is Understanding Strategic Considerations. Healthcare leaders must effectively manage their various operational and clinical processes. The challenge for these leaders is that many of the current issues organizations face today require rapid decision-making to prevent catastrophic failures. Leaders simply cannot make proper decisions if they do not have all the information. Excluding one or several departments from disaster planning committees and discussions can have devastating consequences for the organizations and the patients they serve. The following are some key emergency preparedness questions that every sterile processing leader and professional should ask or know to to ensure they are prepared as possible when emergency strike. So some of the questions you should ask, is the organization a standalone hospital or part of a system? What specific steps has the standalone hospital or system established that must be followed by departmental leaders and their employees? Will the emergency at hand cause a potential or complete functional loss of the department? Will the organization ramp up, scale back, or eliminate surgery and other procedures in response to the emergency? Will the facility receive vendor support or interim assistance from sister facilities or another nearby healthcare organization in the event of an emergency? If such support is available, sterile processing leaders should consider proximity to their organization and the anticipated delivery and timing of the support, whether the vendors can support mobile services to assist with operations, can the organization provide transport housing if needed, meals if support comes from an outside source, what the financial implications are from relying on outside support, who is the emergency coordinator for the department, service line, or organization, who will serve as the sterile processing department's backup if an emergency causes the department to shut down, who is the first person to be called when a disaster occurs And what is the process to be followed when an emergency happens? Ideally, checklists, prioritization of manpower and equipment and supply needs should all be addressed and followed. Do all employees know and clearly understand the process to follow in case of an emergency? Which items need to be reported? Examples staffing levels, equipment malfunction, failures, utility-related incidents, And to whom are you going to report these to? Under which circumstances should staff be called back to work and which circumstances will require evacuation? And then last, is an emergency response number available that employees should call if the department becomes overwhelmed or incapacitated? In conclusion of this article, Many healthcare organizations across the country are not fully prepared for disasters, and this lack of preparedness poses a substantial threat to their employees, patients, and communities. Emergency situations can create confusion and chaos, which can be minimized if organizations take disaster planning seriously and create a well-planned and proper response, and if leadership and employees have the training and the resources to respond quickly and appropriately. So great article again, just like in the what's on my mind segment, are you prepared for disaster? You know, what things are you prepared for? Are you prepared for the unexpected? Do you have the training and the resources to respond quickly and appropriately? That's going to wrap up this podcast. That's going to complete this episode on emergency preparedness. HSPA episode number 74 is in the books. Thanks for listening to the show. To receive the CE for this episode, simply click on the link in the episode notes. Log on to the MyHSPA website and make sure you use the code Incident Command. Again, the code for this episode is Incident Command. Now remember, keep an ear out for the next episode. It's always on the 1st and 15th of every month. Each episode's on demand, so when you're ready for us, we'll be there for you. As always, stay classy, and we'll see you next time.